Hello, and welcome to the Finance House podcast. My name is Polina, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke. Hey, what's up, Polina? What's been happening this week? The news that caught my eye this week was about the second biggest economy, China. Manufacturing activity in China suffered its first official contraction since the beginning of the pandemic as widespread power shortages compounded a loss of momentum across the country's economy. China's Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI for short, was 49.6 in September, dropping below the 50-point threshold that separates monthly contraction from expansion for the first time since February last year. The PMI figures are one of the clearest signals yet of weaknesses across China's economy as it deals with severe power shortages, a slowdown across its vast property sector and outbreaks of the Delta variant of COVID-19. China's rapid recovery from the pandemic last year meant it outperformed other big economies. However, this week economists added to a recent wave of growth downgrades as a power crunch exacerbated an array of pressures. Chief economist at Pinpoint Asset Management said that the weak PMI data should be considered as the alarm for the government. Goldman Sachs on Tuesday cut China's 2021 growth forecast to 7.8% from 8.2%, citing significant downsides pressures from energy shortages. The shortfall, which has pushed up the price of coal, has arisen because of high industrial production and government environmental targets. Ting Lu, chief China economist at Nomura, noted this week that the power issues may have been underestimated because of market attention on the fate of Evergrande, the heavily indebted property developer that last week missed payments on its offshore debts. The power supply shock in the world's second biggest economy and the biggest manufacturer will ripple through and impact global markets, he said, adding that it would very likely result in a shortage of goods for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Luke, what do you have for us this week? There is no doubt that sustainability has been a priority for large organizations and financial intermediaries over the past five years. But has all this just been to please the media and customers? Greenwashing is when an organization uses clever marketing strategies to persuade an audience that their products and services are sustainable, when in reality, they are not. So of course, this is something we must begin to tackle if we are to boost sustainable investment. This was backed up by the IMF when they stated that sustainable investment industry is way too small to drive a global transition to a low carbon economy. They also noted that in order to help it grow governments must do more to protect investors against greenwashing. Over the last four years, assets in sustainable investment funds have doubled to around $3.6 trillion, but it is estimated that to reach the 2050 goal of reaching worldwide carbon emissions to net zero, we would need to add an additional $20 trillion on top. So how will we get to this point? Well, savers and investors should properly understand how their money is being used. And this means regulators should prevent financial companies from misleading with claims on environmental credentials. Now, this would require oversight and verification mechanisms that will mitigate the risk of greenwashing. And there is also scope for introducing tax breaks that encourage climate-themed funds in retirement schemes or life insurance products that are bought by retail investors. But of course, this can only happen once reporting standards and regulatory oversight is improved. You're listening to the Finance Isles podcast. And up next, we have winners and losers of the week. I 
Our biggest winner this week is Peabody Energy, listed on the NASDAQ under the tag BTU. The company has seen a massive increase in their stock price that equates to around 42% from the 29th of September to today, the 4th of October. This company is huge and it's currently valued at around $2 billion. They operate a coal mining business in many countries, including the US, Japan, Taiwan, Australia, and China, using seaborne thermal mining, Powder River Basin mining, and other US thermal mining segments. The coal supplies electrical generators, industrial facilities, and steel manufacturers. Now, in terms of numbers, as of December 2020, it owned interest in 17 coal mining operations in the US and Australia alone which translates into 3 billion tons of proven and probable coal reserves and approximately 450,000 acres of surface property. So why all this buying? There's been significant moves in the options market lately. and the November 19, 2021, $15 call had some of the highest implied volatility of all equity options. This implied volatility describes how much movement the market expects in the future. Now, options that have high levels of implied volatility suggest investors in the underlying stocks are expecting a big move in either direction. So relative to Peabody, this lends itself to traders wanting to sell premium and capture decay. An expiration, the hope is that the underlying stock does not move as much as it originally expected. And this stock is one that I will be following over the coming week. I'm interested to see how long investors can maintain this volume buy. So Polina, who has been losing this week? Our this week's loser is Garden Health, which is listed on the Nasdaq under the tag GH. Shares of healthcare company were down 14.2% on Friday after Bloomberg reported that disease diagnostic Garden Health is considering an acquisition of cancer testing specialist Neogenomics. Although neither Neogenomics nor Garden Health has confirmed that they are in such discussions, the suggestion has an air of credibility. Garden's Lunar 2 and Garden 360 tests are designed to help oncologists identify the best possible treatment options for cancer patients. Neogenomics also offers a wide array of cancer diagnostic services. Combining the two companies would translate into a large number of cross-marketing opportunities as well as a greater total market share. While the pairing makes sense, investors clearly have a problem with the premise. Price could be the stumbling block. Neogenomics' current market cap stands at $6.1 billion, but the company has only done $489 million worth of top-line business over the past four reported quarters. Only a little less than $72 million of that revenue ultimately turned into net income. If Garden Health intends to pay anything near the current market price for neogenomic stock, investors seem to fear it will be overpaying. That's the news. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.